0: A little better. Okay. Thank you as well to Jake for leading us and working with the worship team. Always just does an amazing job every week. It's so good that sometimes we can start to not realize how good it is and take it for granted. So thank you, Jake, for playing beautiful music. And I do want to ask us to be praying for Jake's grandpa. He's uh, uh, His health is not good right now. Um, he's got a blood clot and he's falling asleep and they can't wake him up and so it's kind of uh, it's intense right now for Jake's grandpa so if we could be praying for him but Jake uh, all the more respect and admiration for you uh, giving to us the way you are today even with all that on your heart so amen we love you Jake okay awesome so uh, uh, speaking of love I was getting my coffee this morning at Holiday Gas Station. They got good coffee, you coffee haters. Uh, I think it's pretty good coffee. But anyways, uh, the radio was on, and a, uh, I think, incredibly inspirational song came across the, the radio. It took me back to my youth. Um, and uh, it was entitled, or the lyrics went something like this, your love is like bad medicine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know some of you are like, oh, yeah, that's one of my favorite songs. Some of you are like, what was that, the oldies channel, or what's going on? You never heard that song, but, but we were trying to figure out who sang that song, Bon Jovi, someone said poison, but uh, uh, Bon Jovi, of course, Um, amazing John Bon Jovi, okay, but uh, uh, you know, the world needs love, amen, Uh, but so often our experience with love is like bad medicine, and then John Bon Jovi went on to say, bad medicine is what I need, so that's a little twisted. I would say, um, but, but the world doesn't get love, and so it has produced an incredibly divided and, div- and uh, slanderous and broken world, because God is love, and we are designed for love, and yet the world doesn't get love. There's so much sin, so much damage, so much anger, bitterness, violence, and war, not just physical violence, but emotional Uh, uh, bitterness, anger, these types of things. Um, And so there's no answer for these things because the answer is broken to a broken world um, that the world has to offer. So we're left in a never-ending cycle of division um, for which the world has no answer. So many of us uh, are from broken homes, you know, divorce and uh, runs rampant in in a... uh, broken father-child relationships, and there's just just so much of brokenness. But the kingdom of God does have the answer. Amen? Let's try that The kingdom of God has the answer. Amen? Can I get a witness from the congregation? All right. The kingdom of God has the answer and is the answer to the brokenness of love in the world. And what is this answer? It is the love of God embodied in Jesus Christ and lived out through his church. The answer to the divisiveness that we see all around the world, whether it be in politics or in races or in cultures or in families or in friendships, is Jesus the love of God embodied in him and lived out through his church. So, we are starting a series, a sermon series that's going to go through probably most of the fall, uh, probably till about Thanksgiving. And this sermon series can be encapsulated in two words. Think of all the words we're going to say during this sermon series. They can be encapsulated in two words, beloved and love, (laughs) beloved love. That comes from this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. So today we're going to introduce this topic, Ephesians 4, verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, or be like God, or be godly. Therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering in sacrifice to God. There's so much in this verses, but it's all encapsulated in that Ephesians 5, verse 1, as dearly loved children or beloved. As beloved children of God... Walk in the way of love, or go the way of love. See, love isn't an emotion, though emotions may be involved. It is a way that we walk. It's a way that we live in how we treat God and other people. I want to talk about this verse a little bit, and then we'll have uh, three points for us. Um, First of all, God grieves over disunity. Bible says is don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, okay? God is uh, emotional. God is personal. And so when his children aren't getting along, it grieves him, okay? And so how we treat one another is, uh, it affects our Father God. Does that make sense? Those of you who have more than one child understand this. When the children are not united and at peace in the home, how does it make you feel? Now, get rid of all anger. We talked about that last, last week. But it can it affects us. It hurts us. We want to get that resolved as soon as possible. Amen? God grieves over just dis- you know, how we treat each other either grieves or glorifies God. We'll talk about that at the end. Is that when we love one another, it glorifies not us, but God. Okay, kindness, compassion, forgiveness, all overflow from the heart of God. Verse 32, be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. Is this how the world works? Do we see just kindness overflowing in, on Capitol Hill? Kindness overflowing at youth sports. okay. Kindness overflowing at high school, in middle school. Maybe, sometimes, okay. Um, Kindness, compassion, forgiveness, all overflow out of the heart of love. And then he says, just as. So God doesn't tell us to do this. Without first doing it himself. Are you with me? Okay? Just as God forgives us, which reminds us that we uh, were an enemy of God. Okay? Before we're a Christian, we're not a, oh, my sweet little lost lamb. Okay? The Bible says in Romans 5 that we are an enemy of God and an object of wrath. This is why we, don't, we need to take God seriously and where we're at before God seriously. It says, uh, we were an enemy. That Though we're an enemy, how does God treat his enemies? With forgiveness, right? He forgives his enemy. He loves his enemies. Um, he forgives us in Christ. So while we were his enemy, he chose to offer his son. He chose to offer his son. Okay, Um, And then it says in chapter 5, be imitators of God. So the Bible calls us to be like God, to treat one another like God uh, treats us. And it says, as dearly loved children to live a life of love. The New American Standard says to walk in love. Uh, The New NIV says to walk in the way of love. So there is a source of love and it overflows to our actions. It overflows to how we live uh, our lives. Just as, again, so just as God did this, now he's saying just as Christ loved us, he gave himself up for us, giving himself up. And And it says something interesting here. It says just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So Jesus giving himself up In love was actually an act of worship that glorified God. Does that make sense? So remember I said earlier about how we treat each other can grieve God. Also how we treat each other glorifies God if we're being like Jesus. Amen? Does that make sense? Okay. Um, So how we treat each other either grieves or glorifies God. So disunity, malice, lack of kindness, lack of compassion, lack of forgiveness, it grieves God. It hurts his heart. Uh, On the other hand, love, kindness, compassion, forgiveness, laying down our lives for not only our brothers, our friends, but also our enemies, that in turn glorifies God. Um, So what is central to all this? These two words, beloved and love. God never calls us to just love. He first calls us to understand who we are as dearly loved children, okay? And then out of that to overflow uh, love for one another. So the, the word beloved here is agapetos, agapetos, okay? And the word love is agape. We're more familiar with that. But beloved, this means that God uh, esteems us, He's, we're dear to him, the, even the word favorite. Um, now, we know that God doesn't show favoritism in one over another, and yet there's an esteem about us where it would be like we're his favorite. Does that make sense? There's that level of affection in esteem. We're worthy of love, okay? And then agape is affection, goodwill, love, benevolence, and brotherly love. Let's look over in Ephesians chapter 3. Now, I I understand, I get that we've heard about the love of God, many of us, since we can ever remember. God loves us, okay? And yet, actually being filled, receiving and being filled with this love to overflowing, Paul says here, takes, in essence, a miracle. In Ephesians chapter 3, let's read in verse 14. It says, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So Paul is saying, I've got to pray for the power of God to come in and around your life that you will actually get how much God loves you. And he says the the width of God's love, the depth, the height, the length, so we have four dimensional love here that so do you ever struggle with insecurity anxiety worry yeah, you know I, uh, uh, all these things there's so many things that we do as humans dysfunctionally all rooted in the fact that we don't get the love of God We may know that God loves us but getting that into the depths of our souls, receiving that in its fullness, letting the fullness that's designed to, to uh, um, establish in our hearts and letting that overflow is something that Paul says, i got to pray for. It's going to take the power of God to do that. Amen? Um, so there's going to be three basic points to each of our messages. The first is understanding the love of God. Second is being filled with the love of God, and then third, overflowing the love of God to other people. So um, we're going to talk about all different aspects about God's love and who God is and his character, and we're going to spend mostly two of our three points each week on who God is and how to really receive that. Because we could just talk about how to do this with each other, and we could talk at length ad nauseum about that, but we're not going to really get it until we get it. Does that make sense? It's not really, this isn't going to be genuine and overflowing and sincere, Romans 12, love must be sincere until we are filled with how God feels about us in receiving that, amen? So let's talk talk, uh, about these points right now, understanding the love of God. It's too easy, let's turn over to Luke chapter 6. It's very easy, I know it's been easy in my life, to let things besides the Bible and who God is define what love is. So I need to train my mind and be a student of understanding the love of God starts in our minds. It's easy to let the world define love. How does the world define love? A couple things here. Uh, the world defines love as, first of all, being centered on self. Centered on self, okay? Um, largely, it depends about how, how does this affect me, okay? But 1 Corinthians 13 says love is not self-seeking. It isn't easy to, isn't easy to do things, in order, to, in the hopes of something coming back, right? I'll be kind to my neighbor, so they'll be kind to me, or so there'll be peace in the neighborhood, or they don't get too mad at me, <laughs> or, or whatever. Okay, it's very easy to have to have motives that are impure, that are mixed with a self-seeking agenda. Okay. We all know that that's not love, but here's something that I think we get confused of, that the world still defines of love, and that is a uh, centered on self, but also centered on mutuality. Okay, what do I mean by that? Let's read here in Luke chapter 6, because Jesus had to redefine love for his listeners. Luke chapter 6 and verse 27. But I tell you who hear me, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. What do I mean by love centered on mutuality? I mean this, like, hey, Craig, um, I'll cheer for the brewers if you cheer for the twins. But if you're going to hate on the twins, then I'm going to hate on the brewers. Now, that's obviously a silly, shallow example, but... How often do we like, well, they haven't initiated with me in a long time. I'm going to wait until they initiate with me. I've already initiated with them. They can initiate with me back. Or I had them over for dinner when they had me over for dinner. Well, I already did my part in cleaning the building. When someone else going to clean the building? Are you see what I'm saying here? It can be based on, uh, in marriage, you know this, well, Well, uh, you were wrong. Well, you were wrong. Well, I'll apologize when you apologize. How does that work? Doesn't work, does it? someone got to step up and apologize no matter what the other person does. Okay? Well, I'll serve you if you serve me. Uh, As long as we're keeping score here, uh, I think I'm winning, according to me. Okay? Centered on mutuality. Again, Jesus says, no, wait, no, this isn't how it works. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. I've been mistreated by this person. I'm going to pull back. You're going to pull back and pray? No. Uh, if someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. So Jesus is saying, hey, this is how the world defines love. Even pagans love those who love them back, right? Um, just as your Father is merciful. In this, in the, do, did you hear the same thing? Jesus saying, just as God. Ephesians, just as the Father has loved, just as Jesus has loved, we are called to love. Be holy as I am holy. That's what God says, amen? So our standard is to love, not based on what's coming back or based on what they're doing, but based on who God is. And how he treats you. Let's talk about how God treats you and I. With great mercy and forgiveness and kindness and compassion in an abundant way. Are we treating others the way God's treating us? Well, I would if they treat me, ah, 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 stop your butt. Okay? I would. (laughs) That was a little weird. Okay. Can you take that off the Internet, all right? Ah uh, Treat others according to God treating you. Now, who of us have been wronged in this room? Who of us has been sinned against? Who of us has been hurt? I got my feelings hurt, OK? Who of us where others mistreated us, okay? And we can, and I'm just talking about like in the church here, okay? But you can have an, you have enemies. We have people maybe who are enemies of our society targeting us. How will we treat them? Do we pray for our enemies? Do we return violence with nonviolence? Nonviolence? See, the world doesn't get it. world says, you treat me bad, I treat you bad. And it's like, well, they treated me bad, so I'm going to treat them bad. And back and forth, a never-ending cycle. But Jesus said, stop. I'm inserting myself. The Father says, I'm inserting Jesus into this. And the pattern will stop because he's not going to treat his enemies the way they deserve. Okay? Amen? And then, now a new cycle has started. A new cycle has started. Okay? Um, I want to tell you a little story um, that kind of came to full circle uh, just yesterday. Actually, the circle continued. I don't know where the full circle is going to end up. But a few years ago, I coached uh, Jordan's soccer team. Actually, it was about five years ago or so, um, and I didn't know anything about soccer. I knew that there's a ball and there's a goal and you use your feet. I don't think you're supposed to use your hands, okay? Those are bad in soccer, right? But little girls, and I, I knew enough about, you know, kids and trying to organize them and that sort of thing. Okay, anyways, I was coached. One of the things that I would coach when the so- ball goes out of bounds, right? What do you do with the ball? You pick it up, and you throw it back in, right? Get both feet, got to stay on the ground, overhead. See, I know a lot. Uh, uh, and so I said to the girls, I'm like, listen, the ball goes out around out of bounds. Don't wait for everyone to get in place. Grab it and throw it. Go, quick, you know? And well, so they were, I coached them that way, and we practiced it. And then one of the games, uh, the other coach Ball went out of bounds. Our girls threw it in. I said, good job. And he's like yells from across the, the hey, they need to not throw it in so fast. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Yes, they can. He just got super angry. Been out of shape. Our girls aren't ready. I'm like, well, coach them up a little better there. Of course, these are five-year-old girls, but you know, we're intense here, (laughs) okay? And so, guess what happens? I get an email from the commissioner. I've heard that you're coaching the girls to do this, and I feel like you're trying to gain a competitive advantage by having them throw it in quicker. And so I'm like, oh, (laughs) like everything in me is like, oh. Now, the the cool thing is, I know someone who was on the board of this league. (laughs) And I also know someone who trains the coaches. And so I, in my righteousness, went to these people and I said, am I doing wrong? You know, I'm joking, I'm being sarcastic. And they're like, no, that's fine. And so I emailed the commissioner back. In, in all humility, in Christ-likeness, I said, actually, I am coaching them, to throw it in quickly, to gain a competitive advantage. Because this is a sport where competition tends to thrive. <laughs> and I also coach them to run fast and to kick hard. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Could you help me love Joel? (laughs) I don't know if I said love. But I was just dripping with sarcasm. And he wrote back, I really don't appreciate your attitude. (laughs) So by this time, I'm like, okay, I am a Christian. Matter of fact, I think I'm a minister. Maybe for a while before I get fired, uh so, anyways, I said, okay, I can see where I have done wrong. And I started to take some responsibility. But guess what God had happened? This coach, who, by the way, some of their parents came to me and said, This coach has a terrible reputation about being angry, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, Wow. I wouldn't know. So so anyways, go to Menards. Guess who I see? The coach. And by this time, my heart had gotten a little more. And so I went up to him, and I said, I just want to apologize um, for being overly competitive with fifth-grade ASO girls soccer. Okay? And I I'm sorry. And he's like, "Oh, dude, dude, it's okay. Yeah, I guess. Ah, uh, That was probably a little competitive too. Like, no, no, it's, uh, I'm not trying. To I'm just, I, I'll do better. I'm sorry." And he just didn't know what to say. See, the world doesn't know how to handle, you know, sincere humility very often. But guess what? Jordan and this guy's daughter started being on the same soccer team. So guess who I'm standing next to, and then the same basketball team, and then the same volleyball, like every single team. And guess what started to happen? I started to just continue just to try to be kind to this guy. And he started being kind back. And now we've gone a couple years. We're actually pretty good friends. So yesterday, I'm like, hey, Christy, I'm at Starbucks. Ask around if anyone wants something from Starbucks. I'll get it. And she texted back, yeah, Riley's dad would like a tall Uh, Starbucks coffee and I just laughed how funny is this here I am bringing my mortal enemy uh, a venti Starbucks I give it to him I felt so happy I give it to him he's like oh what can I get you I'm like you know what it's on me three bucks I got it maybe this guy become a disciple I don't know but you know what the way that God says to do it that actually works that actually works. Now, some of you may think, well, you shouldn't apologize. Let it go, okay? Let it go, all right? I needed to apologize. Um, so everyone's like, no, no, no one's thinking that. You need to apologize more. Um, okay, so we can't have the world-defining love based on self-centered thinking or mutual thinking. Let's be, have our thinking based on God thinking. Secondly, understanding the love of God. We have to let... We can't let our families of origin define love. Now, a lot of our families may have just been incredible, okay? But most of our families have some level of dysfunction to them. Why is that, by the way? Because families are made up of what? People who struggle (laughs) with sin, right? Every every family, every dad is a broken dad. Every mom is a broken mom. Every brother and sister is broken themselves. For many, many years, I let how my dad related to me define how God relates to me. I let how my brothers related to me define how God or Jesus maybe would relate to me. I let some wounds... uh, Projected them onto fears about how my current friends may relate to me. Does that make sense? It's very easy. Matter of fact, I think all of us do it without even knowing we're doing it. We're letting our family of origin define um, the love of God. And becoming aware of that, what you may be projecting onto God or others, is extremely valuable. And lastly, we we can let our experiences with love define love, okay? Who who of us hasn't had a a challenging breakup happen to us more than once, okay? Uh, The song, Love Stinks, comes to mind. Love stinks, yeah, yeah. Why is it love is bad medicine and love stinks and yeah, okay? I don't know. But anyways... Uh, I was at Starbucks the other day, and uh, uh, the, the mecca of social uh, experimenting. Um, and uh, uh, there was this person uh, with a laptop open, and on the laptop was "I hate everyone." I hate everyone with an upside down T, upside down cross for the T. I just hate everyone. And there was a lot of other stickers on there that I can't repeat here at church. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But my heart I was just like, "Oh, it's just so sad. It's compassion. Like what, what must have gone on in this person's life? to be communicating with every way possible to I just hate everyone. Um, our experiences can define love. We've got to take our experience out of put it in the right context and let the Bible define who God is. Amen? A father to the fatherless, defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. So understanding the love of God, it's going to take work and thought and study, but we're going to do it. Amen? It's important. Secondly, uh, to be filled with the love of God, understanding is only the first step. We must learn how to be filled up with God's love. So once we get more biblical in our thinking, now we have to do work to actually get filled up emotionally and spiritually in our souls. Our souls are designed to want to be filled, okay? In and in without, in our sinful natures, we'll want to fill them with self, with success, pride, praise for men, riches, reputation, sex, alcohol, anger. Whatever is filling our souls will overflow from our souls. I got a few pictures for us, okay? Can we go to those pictures, Ellen? No, okay. All right, I don't have pictures of us uh, of, of, of So what, ha- what uh, I had pictures of was uh, a cup, first of all, a garbage can. We've all had garbage cans overflowing, right? Garbage everywhere. And then there's a beer mug and suds flowing down the side. OK? Or one of my favorites, coffee cup overflowing with good coffee. OK? But then lastly, this, our cup, this cup. Overflowing with the love of God. That's what we want, all right? Jude 21 says to keep yourself in the love of God. To keep yourself in the love of God. It's easy to stray, easy to get out of the love of God, and then we start running on empty, okay? And so then at, and lastly, uh, overflowing the love of God. Let's look in Psalm 23. A few more scriptures, and then the lesson will be yours. Psalm 23. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David was one who was a man after God's own heart. David was one who, based on all these songs and all this poetry, had to work very hard to keep himself in the love of God. And this is an expression of, you know what, the love of God is filling me and overflowing uh, out of me. You know, uh, uh, God's love is never meant to end with us, but to fill us to overflowing to others. Does that make sense? The love of God is never meant to come to you and then just to stop, but to overflow to others. Jews the love of God filling the Jews, the Jewish Christians flowing over to the Gentile, the Gentiles, it was very challenging for them. Uh, f- uh, loving our family and our families being overflowing to loving those who aren't in our family, okay? Friends, the love of God overflowing to friends and foes, coworkers and competitors, those whom we delight in and those whom we despise naturally. The love of God overflowing. See, when something's overflowing, the container doesn't choose what to where it overflows to. It just overflows. That's its job. So our job is not to I'm going to love person that not that person. This how they treat me, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, simply to let it overflow to everyone. Those who are easy to love, right? We all got people in our lives. They're just easy to love, right? Um, and then there's we have people in our lives who are difficult to love. He's probably sitting in this room. Maybe you're looking at him. Okay? But difficult. Just difficult. Right? Um, loving them as well. Uh, those who like us, those who are like us, and those who are opposite us, can we get Republicans? Can I say that in church? Republicans to love Democrats. Can we get uh, um, white people to love black people, and vice versa? Can we get uh, those older who are fed up with the younger generations and always talk bad about them? Can we get them to love and respect one another, the rich to love the poor, and vice versa? Are you with me here? There's division everywhere. Jesus is the answer. Um, Returning hatred with love instead of bitterness in return. Can we get Vikings fans to love even the Packers fans? Uh, We joke about that, but honestly, I've seen major brother, Christian brother to brother division over fans of a sports team. Ridiculous. Grieving the heart of God. Are you with me there? So a couple more verses, and then we're done. Actually, I think I said that already, but you're going to get a couple more. First John 4, this idea of overflowing the love of God. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God. It knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. That's our last one. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. And for everyone else, just as ours does for you. This is our prayer for this Servant Series. That God makes our love overflow for each other and increase uh, for one another. Amen? You know, I'm going to just close up with this thought. The Bible uses the word love in its various forms almost a thousand times. A thousand times. God is love. Amen? But the first time that the word love is used is in Genesis 22. Does anybody know offhand what happens in Genesis 22? This is where God tests Abraham with the offering of Isaac. The first time the word love is used, even in the original language, is here. God said, verse 2, take your son your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Is this story just about Abraham and Isaac? Of course not. This is about the the father in Jesus, whom he loved, with whom he was well-pleased, but because he loved us, sent him to die for our sins so that we could love God and be right with God and to overflow, love one another. Beloved, let us love one another. Amen? All right, this is our sermon series on love. Uh, Be looking forward to more series about being filled, understanding the love of God, being filled with the love of God, and letting it overflow to each other.